Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. I'm Matt Powers. I wanna to talk to you today about EM, effective microbes. There's more to the story about EM here and there's more amazing things that it can do. I mean, you've heard that it's good for plants probably, you've heard that it's good for composting and maybe you've heard that it, it's dangerous, you know, maybe 10 years ago uh, from certain folks, but there's a lot more to the story that we're gonna get into today. So stay tuned, you're gonna love this. <laughs> So what is effective microbes? Now, this was, you know, the story of it, how it was discovered, you know, that's, that's secondary to what it actually is, right? What is it? So there's four main microbes. They are lactobacillus or lab, as many people abbreviate it. And this is what you can make with your rice wash water and you can ferment it, and then you can even add blue spirulina in there and have purple non-silver bacteria be promoted, which is actually is the next microbe in this list. It grows in a variety of, of, of situations and contexts, but purple non-silver bacteria, specifically Rhodopseudomonas palustris, and, and sometimes in the literature, spheroides, but palustris is what they're working with in specific at the EM places that they're brewing. So this purple non-sulfur bacteria is so incredible because it can feed in multiple different ways. It can feed on CO2, it can feed on oxygen, it can feed on sugar. So it has the ability to feed on light and it has the ability to switch from these depending on the condition that it's in. And so it's, a, it's an incredibly important microbe in the natural world and so it's in gut digestion of, of earthworms. It's found in methane-rich environments like inside manure pits. It's found um, in extreme environments. It's found in regular decomposition. And uh, it's found in EM. And so it's, it's kind of, <laughs> there's more to this too that <laughs> maybe I'll do an entire separate talk on because I, I'm, I'm, I want to figure out where it's coming in because it might be in that, that blue spirulina because it's already in the plant. It might be an alfalfa that people are adding because it's already in the plant. It might be in the more um, nutrient-dense and nutrient-rich plants as an endophyte already. Or it could be in the air. Um, there, there's a bunch of the stuff I'm working on right now and tracking this down because you essentially have to test the air. And I mean, if you think about it, we're, when we're doing compost, we're inoculating every time we turn it. And when we're doing aerated compost tea, we're actively inoculating it constantly with air. And we're also oxidizing things. But this is such an important thing. Purple non-sulfur bacteria is really the, one of the key components in, in the process of EM fermentation. So if you are going to do it right, you're going to cap things and they'll make things expand as they release CO2 and digest that initial sugar. And then when they run out of that and they panic and it's just all the CO2 and all this pressure, they start consuming that and it shrinks back down. And you can put balloons on your piles and balloons on bags and stuff like that to see this happen. Or you can get bags uh, uh, or bottles that actually can deform and go into balloons and then go back down. But this is the process of purple non-sulfur bacteria working. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again, many times over the years. And th this, th it's, it's absolutely incredible. And 
what's so cool about that is it's found in more places than you think. A lot of people thought that it was this magical thing that was like a unicorn and like very few people have ever touched it or been near it. Um, and there's a, like this whole mysteriousness around it, but it's really not like that. Um, we can get it very easily. Like I said, spirulina, I believe alfalfa, I believe like other things that are dark, dark green and very, very nutrient dense might also have it. So, and, and like I said, it's an endophyte. So lactobacillus bacteria lab breaks things down, turns nitrogen into amino acids. So it saves that work that plants would be doing and it takes the stink out of things and it takes the nitrates down. So if you've got a really pilots, you do your shake test, your generalized NPK shake test, and you're off the charts with nitrogen, you don't need to pay someone to do an expensive test to tell you what you already know. It's too much. You add EM, and then you have a pile that's rich in amino acids rather than nitrates, and that can be applied at any point in their growth cycle and the reproductive cycle as well. So that, that, that opens up a huge, huge amount of possibilities and potentialities. So just those first two microbes in EM are incredible. And then you have beer yeast. So, you know, it's crazy, but Saccharomyces cerevisiae is in all the plants that have been tested. They're finding it as an endophyte that's, that's in everything. There's a bunch of these. Um, I'm not going to get into all of them because there's, there's a lot. Um, and in my... <laughs> And one of the things that really tickled me was that like the the beer yeast was in the wine and all that stuff. Like it's already all over everything already all over the plants, inside the plants, in the soils. Yeasts are all over, all inside the soils. They're vital to the soil processes, vital to decomposition, but they're also endophytes. So they help tie up the sugars and process the sugars inside plants. So if a plant is, let's say, I'm not processing its sugar well, not processing its nitrogen well, and you're applying EM, lactobacillus, and beer yeast, and like like these things literally are turning the nitrogen, excess nitrogen, into amino acids, and then they're turning the sugars into in, in, into CO2, which which for a plant that that they they can use that internally. So, so it's, it's really, really wild. Um, and other microbes can too, but, but, but this, this is so incredibly important because they're not just biofertilizing microbes. They are helping the, the, the plant actually regulate its, its most core photosynthetic and protein making processes so that they actually regulate it and, and help it run more smoothly so that the plant has less stress and can put more energy into growth, into making fruit, into uh, protecting itself and like lifting up its immune system. And all these things trigger their immunological responses. All these things do. But uh, some do it more and we'll get into that in a second. So, and then there's primary decomposers like streptomyces and others that are found in all decomposition but also have other benefits that are going to either trigger an immunological response within the plant or be endophytic. And we know that if something lives inside of a plant in order to persist, it has to produce nitric oxide in response to the superoxide bombardment. So they have to fix nitrogen. 
So if, 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 if there's nitrogen in excess in the plants, they're going to be pulling from that and then balancing that out as well. So there's all these regulatory um, things that are happening with the biology inside the plant to keep the plant in healthy ranges. And these all participate in that. But you may be asking yourself, hey, Matt, I heard that there's way more than that. Um, you said it in your book, and I'm just curious because you're speaking from a position of sequencing. Yes, there's a lot more. What's so cool about decomposition, compost, and all these things is there's uh, there's things that we didn't realize were in it, and no one can... <laughs> Maybe people have done the research, and they're just not communicating it because <laughs> changes things a little bit. But rhizobia is a primary decomposer. So the nitrogen-fixing bacteria that we inoculate our beans and our clover and our peas, our vetch, they're already in the decompositional process. They're already in the, the, the compost. It's, it's, and, and that makes a lot of sense when, when you think about what people are adding. They're either adding you know, legumes for their, for their protein, or they're adding manure from ruminants, and they're eating like alfalfa and other legumes. And so those, those because they're primary to decomposition, they don't leave. They're like, oh, here we are in the ruminant digestion. Cool, let's keep working. So they switch their roles and function and continue on through the cycle which means that rhizobia is part of the feedback loop of information, like information about the environment, information about the health of the animals, and information about the, you know what I mean, the soil and the decomposition. All of that is carried with the rhizobia through the digestion, into the soil, through the manure, into the soil, into the root zone, into the plant, and then into the leaves, and then eaten by the animal again back into the digestion and it creates this information loop. That, that is the power of all of this when it's done right, is we actually tap into an exponential information exchange with the environment, which is actually how we, we gain that bioregional resilience and health for our plants and ourselves. I would, I would venture to say, though, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a doctor, you know what I mean? I'm not making any medical recommendations here, but um, that's what it certainly looks like when we see how these things work. And this would explain why sometimes going to foreign areas and eating foreign foods can have uh, such a shock to our system because it's actually a completely different biology that you're ingesting. You're, you're taking in a different biological feedback loop and your your microbiome is it might take like take a shock depending on you know where you're at and where that's at right <laughs> but that kind of mapping i do believe is the future and we're going to see so much more uh once we start digging a little bit deeper but who else is in this pile so azospirillium brazil brazilense is also in this which is probably the most studied plant growth promoting rhizobacteria. So this is this is well documented and it's a it's a biofertilizer. Okay? Frankia. Oh, that's the nitrogen nitrogen fixing bacteria that's not rhizobia. Okay? 
uh, acetobacter. That is the uh, acetic acid forming bacteria that triggers the immunological response that protects plants at, at like a totally another level. Burkholderia. This is a nitrogen fixing bacteria that lives in roots and then leaves and inside plants in the wild primarily. It's absolutely incredible. And it can be in this in, in nodules like like also right alongside rhizobia working away. So it's um, absolutely incredible. And then Acromobacter, that was in there as well from the DNA sequencing. I could see it. Acromobacter digests glyphosate. So Roundup, glyphosate, that is digested and denatured and destroyed and taken apart <laughs> by Acromobacter. And then Panabacillus, that's also another plant growth promoting bacteria. These are all immune triggering or plant growth promoting. And they're either on the outside of the plant, like in the root area, or they're inside the plant. And so th these are the perfect combination of microbes. What's so incredible is that they're all being able to go together in a biofertilizer mix. And there's so many of them, which really like opens this whole door to us all creating our own biofertilizer mixes because in my book, Regenerative Soil, if you've checked it out, you'd, you'd know that there's hundreds of biofertilizers and they all have different functions and have organized them according to function so that you can figure out the ones that are going to help you the most and then buy those biofertilizer blends that have it and then inoculate your piles and then your piles go into your soil and then your roots are feeding that and then it's it's promoting it and and then you know what to do to keep to keep that going uh, because and also you know how to like promote those things individually and grow arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi if you have that book but my point is is that this is an entire world of information that you can embark upon and start opening the door with us to to understand this better <laughs> there's a whole world here that you could be unlocking in your soil that's just waiting for you to know about. But what else, what else, what else is going on here? Because I started DNA testing, DNA sequencing EM, and I then sequenced alongside like a multiplex comparison DNA test um, setup so that I could compare everyone. I did it with the best compost I could find, Catalyst Bio Amendments, and then the best Johnson Sioux compost I could find. And then I did double samples of both. So an older sample of both, and then a new, fresh sample of both. Because, you know, we gotta compare things. And and so I, I did this, and then I figured out that even in the best compost, even Elaine's top students have EM microbes in abundance. So, you know, years ago, you know, you know, certain people were saying that EM was bad, that there are pathogenic anaerobic microbes that will hurt your compost, hurt your food, hurt your plants. That's all malarkey because the best hot compost is filled with effective microbes. And this is what superior testing does. You get a holistic understanding of the world that we're actually living in. And that's what spurred me to create the Regenerative Soil Microscopy book course and then the database, the R-Soil database, because that kind of information 
is so important. It's the essence of good compost. EM is the essence of good compost. And the fact that for years, people were saying that it was bad and people were spreading around rumors and not based on science that, that these were anaerobes, but they're facultative, they're the facultative anaerobes, which means that they exist in, in, in the midsection between anaerobic and, and aerobic. Aerobic is oxidizing. It's destroying things. If your soil's aerobic, that means you're tilling it. Facultative. Oh, there's 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 some somewhat anaerobic pockets. There's somewhat more aerobic pockets as you get closer to the surface, of course. But it's natural soil. Facultative is the natural state of soil. It's a low oxygen environment. A high oxygen environment would be oxidized, literally by definition, which would mean that it was alkaline by definition and you would you would have soils that were lacking in energy and were very difficult to grow plants in so it's really important that we kind of like break down these myths as to like like why they're wrong and then approach things with new eyes and so I, when i found this out this was so groundbreaking i didn't tell anyone because i, I was kind of like nervous i was like this this is the opposite of what everyone's saying. This is the opposite of what everyone's been told. And it wasn't just the hot Elaine Ingham style compost, the biocomplete compost. It wasn't just all those iterations had the EM. It was the Johnson Sioux compost too. The beam bioreactor compost that they let sit for over a year to over a year. That had all of EM members as well. And, and so I, I had this like deep realization that EM was not what people were saying it was. And, and yes, the people selling it and, and, and making it have been saying for years how incredible it is, how it's an earth saving revolution. <laughs> That's the name of the book. Um, uh, Teruiga Higa um, wrote to, to share EM with the world. And so they've been saying this for years and like, I just want to honor them right now and say like big props to them for, you know, sticking it out despite all these rumors and these attacks and all these things, you know, that have been happening for so many years. <sighs> they stuck it out. And now, you know, I've seen this all the way through. I've seen it for myself. I've pr I proved it out first, like, in, you know, in experience and then doing it. And that's why I always have gallons upon gallons, big five gallon barrels of EM going. But I, I've never been able to, until this past year, sequence the DNA myself or through an independent party and see exactly what was in it. So this was, and, and, and I've done several um, tests and I plan on doing more tests, but it's, it, it just was so exciting, you know what I mean? To, to have more clarity, to have some hard science and truth showing like the real power of what effective microbes EM really is. Now, something else I learned when, uh, when I got into um, talking about this a lot with Quatamook, he said, Matt, you need to try the pro EM one for your stomach and then try the, uh, the EM gold after that to feed the microbiology. And they're pricier then the EM1, and but EM1 only is guaranteed to have the lab, um, the lactobacillus bacteria in it. 
So it's only guaranteed to have that on the label. But on this, it's guaranteed to have Lactobacillus plantarum, Lactobacillus casei, Lactobacillus bulgacaris, Lactobacillus fermentum, Saccharomyces cerevisa, and Rhodosudomonas palustris. So this is for human consumption. And I talked to Eric over at Terraganics about this in specific and it's USDA certified, CCOS certified, so they had to actually brew each microbe separately and combine it upon bottling and put an expiration date on it because it's for human consumption. Now, remember what I had just said about the feedback loop. <laughs> right? This is the feedback loop for our digestion. And I know there's more, but this, this is what can be eaten. That is also great for decomposing my, uh, decomposing organic matter. Also good for feeding plant roots and being endophytic inside plants, feeding and protecting plants immunologically. And then also making healthy plants that are good for us to eat. And then they're inside the plants and then they go into our digestion, guiding the decomposition of the plants and the nutrient release inside our bodies. So this is helping with the nutrient release in the soil, inside the plants, inside our bodies, and inside decomposition for the other microbes. So uh, EM is truly the feedback loop or the beginning of the story, the larger story of the feedback loops between ourselves and our environment, because there is more, um, but that's a separate talk. Um, yeah, and, and Mind, Body, and Soil is a book I'm planning on writing, but at first I have to do all this other work, uh, and that's okay. Uh, I, I, we're going to gather so much more information, and so when I circle around to doing the, working with doctors on, on humans and the human gut digestion, for me, because that's like where I'm at, I, I mean, I know that, you know, you guys have heard that I was like doing well. I said that two weeks ago, but like I had like an issue this past weekend, and I couldn't sleep for like an entire night uh, and you probably can tell from the videos that suddenly I have a sore throat I'm a lot more tired um, just you know Crohn's is really messed up it's hard and it's a fight and sometimes it comes up behind you and hits you with the bat and you have to just recover <laughs> um, so 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 this is something I, I truly fundamentally care about and I, and it's something that I'm gonna figure out because I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I want to meet my grandkids. I want to be uh, a young grandpa, my grand, my grandkids, and and really know them. Uh, and 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 I want to meet my great grandkids too. So uh, I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna figure out and crack the code around all that stuff too. And I'm really excited because I know that this is not just. The, there's more in here that I didn't talk about. There's more that we haven't discovered yet that we will discover. And there's hundreds of, of candidates, possible candidates that are already listed in regenerative soil that are plant growth promoting rhizobacteria and fungi, microbes that help our plants, help our soils. But I really want to continue this process and map this all out with you as a community. And that's what the R Soil database is going to be. So as I do all this research and continue to put it publicly, 
um, a lot of things are just going to come out and people are going to see things. There's going to be a lot of things that are self-evident about how decomposition works, about what the main saprophytes are, and then how to reduce you know, pathogens in, in, in the best way per climate and bioregion because that will change. And so, and it, especially like, like the numbers and effective, uh, effectiveness, all those kinds of things, we'll be able to actually map out. So if, if that is of interest, if you are sparked and inspired by all this stuff that I'm talking about, please check out the Kickstarter. Regenerative soil microscopy is going to change everything. It's going to give us new protocols. It's going to open the door to you creating new protocols, us all creating new experiments to actually reach further and map out areas that we couldn't before. And the database is going to allow us to compare things against our bioregion, against ourselves over time, against the global organic matter level percentage. Like we'll be able to have global, constantly updated global markers for where soil is at. If this database, because we're, we're close, we're, we, haven't, we haven't made our goal yet, we're, <laughs> we're close. Uh, that's why we need your help to spread it, we need your help to promote it, because it's not just getting past that finish line. The reality is the more people that we get into this, the more information that everyone will have access to and the more clarity, the more power and momentum it will have, and the more people will draw in, and then we'll have more influence because it has more data and more clout and then the truths become more self-evident and then it causes a sea change and then farmers and gardeners and then are all changing and then our food is fundamentally different our food becomes fundamentally more nutrient dense and then our health begins to transform and as our health transforms the way we think becomes clearer we we start having innovation flow we start having all these, these, these things that are, are, are seeming, these weights suddenly become opportunities for innovation and these challenges become opportunities for greatness. And we get to honor each other in a way that, 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 that shows these community solutions, that shows those community members for the, and, and honors them for the work that they're doing. This is, what, this is what it's all about. This is about getting the truth out there, honoring the people doing the right thing and making a better world for the future, starting today for ourselves and on into the future for all generations and for all life. Because we fix these things, it fixes everything because soil is the linchpin to all life. Thank you so much. Click the link down below. Check out this Kickstarter, Regenerative Soil Microscopy, the course in the book and the RSOL database can't happen without your help. So please, Jump down there and make it happen. Let's, let's change all of soil science. Let's change all of food. Let's change all of agriculture, horticulture. Let's make food truly medicine. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. And I'll see you soon. Join us in this Kickstarter. It's going to make a world of difference. Thank you so very much.